0: This episode of Firstline is sponsored by TrueLearn, an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I am so excited to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for Comlex Level 1 prep last year and Level 2 prep this year. For my listeners who are taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE Smart Bank. Each TrueLearn Smart Bank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. TrueLearn includes first aid references for each question and an option to create tests based off of topics. So you can use TrueLearn to help prepare for your school's test during the year. Lastly, if you are in your third year like me, TrueLearn also offers smart banks for shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your new subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. TrueLearn is the first line solution to excelling on your Exam. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and this is First Line. I'm here to bridge the gap between sophisticated doctor talk and oversimplified patient education to bring listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness. Through an osteopathic lens, First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, hot topics in healthcare, the journey to becoming a physician, mental health relationships, and even philosophy, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Firstline is now available on a variety of platforms, including Spotify and Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon and Audible, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Player FM, Podbean, TuneIn, Reason, and iHeartRadio. Please subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. I was feeling very discouraged very early on. I did not get the A plus 4.0 GPA that people think you need in order to get into med school and i'm sure that to an extent is true if you're only applying to like harvard med and johns hopkins but those never really appealed to me obviously i wanted to go to a do school even for do schools i still wasn't quite at the gpa that i really needed i definitely struggled my first year of college especially I took a ton of AP advanced placement classes in high school, which I do strongly recommend everyone to take. I wish I took more because it saves so much money, so much time, and you can really just take the classes you want to take instead of having to take a lot of uh, general education requirements that you need in order to graduate. So because of my credits, I was able to start in organic chemistry right from the start. I took biochemistry shortly after. I was in advanced physics classes and calculus for math. I just struggled with it. I think a lot of people do struggle with that transition from high school and college, but they're so good at covering it up. And I'm probably one of those people, but now I'm much more open about talking about it. I did struggle with making friends and I did feel really lonely even though I had a roommate. I really tried to find a community on campus. I auditioned for every acapella group that there was. I rushed for a sorority and none of them wanted me, so I felt so alone. I did have a fantastic church community and we had Bible study on Friday nights. That was my weekend hangout. Besides that, my social scene was almost non-existent. I joined student government, but everyone took themselves so seriously, it was really hard to make friends there. A lot of people in my major that I met were not really the kind that were looking for friends. They were really the gunners that also wanted to get into med school or vet school or research. They were hyper competitive, weren't very friendly, and it was a hard environment to be in and I struggled. Took so much time out trying to fit in that I probably wasn't studying as much as I probably should have been. I wasn't really taking good care of myself. I wasn't eating a healthy diet. I wasn't taking the time to exercise as much as I should. It's hard to really blame one thing, but I think it was a combination of not having a good support system and then also just the rigor of the classwork that I was doing. I just felt like I was scrambling before every test to try to know enough to pass these exams, which I cannot believe I did now because I did so well in high school. And I am comparatively doing a lot better in med school because I actually understand what I'm learning and I really take the time to. And I don't know if it's the difference with the professors that I had compared to now or just my motivation to want to do well because it's now in med school instead of undergrad or if I just have a better balance of schoolwork in life and I'm taking better care of myself and I'm getting enough sleep and I have a support system now. I can't really pinpoint what it is. So I would also recommend... Keep looking for your support system if you can't find it right away. Don't take it very personally if one thing that you wanted to do in college doesn't pan out. Just keep looking for the next one. I sure didn't give up. I ended up making my own student organization where I met a lot of my friends. Yeah, just keep going. Support system is so important. Then also, I might recommend, I know I said take all the AP classes you do, but don't front load all of your difficult classes into your first semester of college, especially for me because I had so many AP credits already. To complete my biology major, I didn't really have that many classes I needed to take, but I still needed to take a lot more classes in order to be able to graduate with a bachelor's, and I wish I knew that I was doing a double major earlier on then I would have had a better mix of the more difficult at least for me biology classes and then more of the relaxed and just engages a different part of your brain so compared to things like calculus and physics it seemed like going to take a government class was a little bit more relaxed and it just doesn't feel as overwhelming if you kind of balance those classes. I wish I did that instead of my senior year was all political science. I was kind of breezing through. I'm really trying not to belittle majors like that, but at least the program I was in, I did not feel like the rigor was as stressful as the biology major course load. I wish I kind of had more balance and wasn't going straight into it as strong. I do highly recommend, if you're planning to apply to med school or PA school, to have at least a minor in something that isn't medicine related. Because this adds to your character, it gives you something to talk about during interviews, it's something that is unique that they will remember you for. I can say that every single interview that I went on for med school, all of them asked me about political science. Because it's interesting, it's new. They wanna know who you are, and most of the students applying to med school are cookie cutter biology or biochemistry majors that were part of the pre-med club and the biology club and then volunteered at their local food pantry have a perfect GPA, great MCAT scores, and then have some research experience. Honestly, I can tell that they get a little bit fatigued and it's hard to compare us. They jump at the chance to talk to you about something else you're passionate about. So often they would ask me about political science, why I chose to major in political science, how I think that will be integrated into being a physician, how I was able to balance that with my pre med course load. You don't have to be a combined major like me, but even just having a minor and putting that on your resume, maybe even mentioning it in your personal statement, because I can tell you right now, personal statements are often very much cookie cutter as well saying like, oh I was inspired by my family physician to also be a doctor because they took such great care of me, or I had an injury when I was younger and I needed surgery for it and I really looked up to the doctors, or oh my grandfather died of cancer but the doctors were really supportive and they inspired me. These are great stories but you need to add something else. You have to really add more personal interest and prove to these admission committees that you actually want to go to their school. I think it is a very good idea if you're applying to DO schools to talk about osteopathic medicine in your personal statement. Share how you learned about it and why you like it. Choose a favorite tenant. There's a lot more you can do than just tell a story that a lot of people have the same exact story about. So going back, I was not doing well in undergrad. I was discouraged by a lot of my mentors. But I am so glad I didn't listen to them. I definitely had backup career choices. And because I only saw myself being a DO and not doing any other health profession, a lot of my backups were not even in healthcare at all. But I never really did anything with those backup choices. They were kind of just there for comfort, saying, okay, if I can't do this, it's not the end of the world. I'll be okay. But now I give myself agency to do everything in my power to wipe out all my energy in order to do this because this is my dream, this is what I decided, this is what is on my heart and this is what I feel God's plan is for me, though I won't know for sure unless he puts all the pieces together for me. But it is part of faith to do everything in your power and then have faith that God will follow through based off of what you put in. So I decided to do my second co-op in physical therapy at a hospital in New York City. So I moved there and lived there for six months while working full time. And I can definitely talk about this experience another time all in itself. But I really liked studying for the MCAT in a time where I was working instead of in school because it allowed me to have evenings completely freed up so usually during classes i would have classes all day and then i would study the rest of the day and then you know being in a college town you also have extracurriculars and the social scene and wanting to see friends and hang out and so moving to a new place and not having classes just working and then having every other second of the day freed up for studying for the MCAT was really ideal for me. Being somewhere else, I didn't have the extracurriculars and I didn't have the same social scene. I was so fortunate to have several of my friends from college also having co-ops in New York City at the same time. So I still had support while studying for the MCAT because I would have drove myself crazy if I only worked and then went home and studied for the mcat i needed at least one day a week to go to dinner with my friends and i think that is so important because i never burnt out while studying this is the time in my life where i started to do affirmations there have been times in my life that i kind of fell by the wayside about them but i think it's i think i'm begun to start starting to use them again But this is where I really discovered it. I started reading a lot of self-help books and really just get into a really good positive mindset. This is when I really took hold of the growth mindset. Just this idea that your personality and who you are and what you can accomplish is not fixed. It's not something you're just born with. It's something you develop over time and you can change you're not stuck in your old ways, there's a lot that you can do to make yourself a better person overall. And it's crazy to think now because I would write down like the goals that I would have and like where I see myself in like 10 years and it hasn't quite been 10 years yet but I definitely wrote down things like being in medical school, being happy, and being married, And having a good support system, being healthy, and I am here to tell you that all of that has come true. And it's not just through affirmations, but it has also been through prayer. It has also come through hard work, but that hard work piece is a lot due to the affirmations I did in this growth mindset that I could do it. In this way, I was able to completely ignore all the discouragement I encountered. I was able to study really well for the MCAT and get a score to be proud of. Not an Ivy League score by any means, but definitely a score that makes me very competitive for DO schools and one that can compensate for my lower GPA. So, I have been very blessed that I received a good MCAT score. I could also have an entire episode about the MCAT, but I'll touch on it a little bit. For the MCAT, I used the Kaplan books. I also recommend, I was lucky enough to be in New York City while studying for the MCAT. I was able to make it over to the New York Library, which has basically every single book that you could possibly need to study for the MCAT, and I was able to take practice tests on the weekend, and so I recommend do visit your library. If your undergrad school has a library, I'm sure that they have some books that can help you so that you don't have to spend all your money on that. I honestly would not recommend paying for a tutor or a a paid course for taking the MCAT, unless you know that you struggle with being self-disciplined about studying at certain times and completing a MCAT book series, but if you are very self-motivated, and I think anyone can be self-motivated with, you know, that growth mindset, but if you are someone like me that can do well in scheduling out blocks of time to study and to review your past courses that are relevant, like biology and chemistry, and you are able to get yourself through a book, then I don't think you need those. I also used Khan Academy. I watched every single video and did every single practice question, and I think that really helped me, and that is free. As far as I know, it is still completely free, and I know Khan Academy has a lot for nursing as well. I would say when you're choosing what schools to apply to, definitely look up what kind of test scores they're getting and what kind of GPA they need. I know a lot of schools have GPA requirements. There were actually a few DO schools that did not meet the GPA requirement and I really haven't like said that out loud at all and now it's complete public knowledge that I had that low of a GPA. You know, maybe it didn't work out for a reason, the struggles I faced my first year were for a reason. But what you'll notice is that most med schools do have either no requirement or a very low requirement because they kind of identify with that DO philosophy that they, they want to interview you as a whole person and your GPA is just one part of that. So even if you have an extremely low GPA, if you have a good MCAT score, they'll probably be willing to interview you. And I also know many students that have the opposite problem, that they had a really good GPA, but when it came to taking the MCAT, they it just fell through and they might struggle a little bit with standardized exams. So DO schools are very interested in working with you too and I'm sure a lot of MD schools are like that as well. They take into account your personal statement and your resume and how much volunteer and work experience you have and who you really are as a person. If you are lacking in any one area, do not think that your journey is over. It's just starting. You need to put yourself out there and keep going even if you get discouraged. I think a lot of people worry about research requirements and also clinical requirements so I'm going to touch that right now. I had research experience about I had about six months. I didn't have any publications but I did have a few presentations. I made sure that I was able to speak intelligently about what I was researching for when it came up on interviews because if you do put research on your resume they will ask you about it. And make sure when you're doing research, even if it is a super small role, make sure you're talking to your research mentor about what they're doing and why they're doing it and what their hypothesis is and what their goal of the experiments are, because you're going to have to be able to talk about that. For hands-on clinical experience, I know a lot of colleges like to see that as well. For me, my co-op in physical therapy met this requirement, and I know so many students that really struggled with it because you often don't have direct patient experience until you have a degree in something, so it is really hard, but I know New York And also Massachusetts had this as well, that you're able to work as a physical therapy technician, which is more of a supporting role to the physical therapist. And it gives you that experience face-to-face with patients. But other ways you can do this is through volunteering. I got trained working for a hospice organization during my gap year, and that is a great way to work directly with patients. A lot of times since schools know that this clinical requirement is very hard to meet and is very subjective they just want to see that you're making an effort to help people and to work with people in a healthcare setting so anything you do is very helpful to your application if you're able to shadow physicians I highly recommend it. I know it is so hard to find those positions. Like, even with my mom working as a nurse in a hospital, it took her quite a long time to set up a day that I could shadow one of the orthopedic surgeons at her hospital, and then it was not even in the operating room, it was just in the office for a few hours. I think the best shadowing experience that I had was shadowing when I was working in physical therapy. I was able to get in touch with one of the orthopedic surgeons there and was able to shadow in the OR and in the office with him. I also met a fantastic DO who was in the Boston area who was more than willing to sit down with me and talk me through my entire application, and give me advice about what to put in my personal statement, what experiences to highlight, how to do the interview, where to apply, how to talk about osteopathic medicine. That was incredibly helpful to me. Unfortunately, he didn't really have any positions available that I could ever shadow him, but the conversation I had with him was so valuable. I just always recommend that, even if you can't really shadow a physician, if you can at least get them to agree to sit down with you. I think a lot of them feel a lot of fulfillment, and this works for every health profession. I'm sure people would love to encourage younger students. You can send me a voice message using the Anchor app. If you want to send me a comment, ask a question, or share any topic ideas that you want for an upcoming episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you take some time, just a minute of your time to write a review. Hopefully it's five stars, but I really like honest reviews. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. so much for listening. Again, I'm on Instagram at First Line Podcast. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstlinepodcast. You can reach out for any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again.